Welcome back to Gems with Genesis Amaris Kemp. Today with me is David Summerflick. A little bit about David. He is a digital marketing executive with 25 years experience working for marketing and advertising agencies where he served as project manager, helping guide multi-million dollar brands as well as everyday business owners alike toward increasing profitability. Then David has written for AOL, Time Warner. I know that's dating him a little bit, but he is a wealth of knowledge. Spoken to a standing room only audience at Microsoft, taught social media marketing at Johnson and Wales University, and taught workshops for the WordPress Foundation. He is also the author of The Road to Digital Marketing Profits, as well as a collection of poetry. He is also the host of the David Summerfleck podcast, where he interviews guests on topics related to digital marketing, trends, global culture, and economic shifts, business innovation, and ways we can all better channel our creativity. And today's topic is how and when to pivot during a pandemic. Welcome, David. Thank you so much for coming on Gems with Genesis Amaris Kemp. Please share a little bit more about who you are and give us some fun facts. Well, basically, uh, as you so kindly said at the beginning, I basically worked for marketing and ad agencies for anywhere from 20 to 25 years. And then I also worked in between those experiences as a freelancer, meaning I was an independent consultant. I briefly had my own LLC, uh, digital marketing agency. I also had my own nonprofit very briefly as well. Some fun facts about me. Uh, let's see, my wife and I have a very, very, very affectionate and obedient uh, little pet rabbit named Sean. And um, we've probably had somewhere between eight and 10 rabbits now over all the years that we've been together. I've always been an animal lover. I think they're very good at helping you stay calm and cool, uh, especially in trying times. So uh, I was very experienced in training rabbits. So she's by far the most demonstrative, affectionate uh, rabbit we've ever had. So she's a lot of fun. She'll come running over the minute she sees you. And, you know, she just wants to sit and have her cheeks rubbed. That's all. Oh, thank you so much for sharing about Sean. And it it almost sounds like Sean is your um, support animal, even though she's a rabbit. But, you know, she is very much a part of the Summerfleck family. So, you know, with all your vast knowledge in marketing, whether it's digital marketing or et cetera, what made you get into that field of work? Well, for I went to college originally to be a writer. That was my passion. And I actually met my wife in a bookstore. Uh, but when I was in college, I wanted to take as many internships as I possibly could. And I recommend that to everyone in college, um, not for free, but you do it for either college credit or for books or something like that. And um, so I interned at several newspapers and publishers, 
And I realized that there just really wasn't a lot of good high paying positions for writers and editors unless you had a master's. So I started studying web design and digital marketing and SEO while I was in college. And back then that was the mid nineties. So SEO was still very new and it was very, very different than it is today. You could uh, finagle your SEO, what we used to call, you know, black hat strategies and stuff that really would work back then with Yahoo and Excite and Dogpile for anybody who's a little bit older and remembers those. Some of them might even still be around, AltaVista, I don't know. Um, so when I graduated, I went straight to marketing agencies and then I would work sometimes as a freelancer for different newspapers. But yeah, that was how I started with uh, digital marketing. I also began working with clients while I was a college student. Oh, nice. And for those of you who don't know, SEO is Search Engine Optimization, but most people would use the acronym SEO, S as in Sarah, E as in Edward, O as in open. And that is how your websites and information are easily searched. And then it's cool um, to hear, David, how you said you wanted to be a writer and that was your passion. But would you say that your passion has died or is your writing passion still alive? Because in order to do digital marketing, you you definitely can use your passion for writing within the digital marketing space, depending on how you're helping people market their brand and advertise. So are you meshing both of them together right now? Well, I, when I graduated from college, the passion that I had for writing for literature really was gone. They had stomped on it and, and it really, I couldn't read anything without looking at the sentences and the sentence structure and the syntax, the syntax and the grammatical structure and everything. So I really couldn't read for enjoyment anymore without analyzing everything. So it really took me a long time to get back to reading. And I read very slowly because I want to really absorb everything that, that I read. So slowly, I've gotten back to that as far as you know, writing for others, I can write for others very, very easily. It's something I can just immediately start doing. I can write out an outline, find the appropriate links. It's easy for me to do it for others. And uh, regardless of the profession, really. Uh, and, and that really speaks to content marketing, the importance of that. Because at the end of the day, when we talk about marketing and reaching your ideal customers, you have to have something to offer them. So if you have a website and you don't have any content or very little, and there's no links or anything like that to share, then you're not taking advantage of Google, which at the end of the day, Google is a giant search engine. So it's looking for content that it can index and then share with you know the world. So the more content you have on your website that speaks to the needs of your ideal consumer, the better. So then whenever... So whenever we're thinking about that, um, just hearing a little bit more insight about your passion, what you're doing now, and then going forward, how, would, how did you know when and how to pivot 
personally as well as professionally? And what advice would you give someone who is in that sweet spot looking to either take that leap of faith to try something new and get outside of their comfort zone or looking to really take their business to the next level by pivoting to give them the level of success that they want? You know when it's time for you as a business owner or entrepreneur to pivot when you're putting more in than you're getting back out. So it's sort of like a relationship in that regard. If you're giving and giving and you're not receiving that in a commensurate manner, then it's time to kind of either put it on hold or pivot. Mm, okay. And then so you either put it on hold or you pivot, but the things that you put on hold, maybe those are things that are no longer fueling your purpose and driving your passion. Those are things that may be a hobby that you're no longer interested in. Would you say that? Yes. I'll give you a good example. I don't know if it's a good example, but I'll give you an example. Uh, a while ago, I had a I, I had training in mediation and I would mediate court disputes and um, I studied it and was a volunteer for quite a number of years to really make sure that I knew what I was doing and was competent at it. And then I started a mediation nonprofit and it, it got to the point where I wasn't losing money, but I really wasn't making any either. It was just flat. And one day my wife said to me, we're not really making anything from this. We're not losing anything. We're not making anything. I looked at it and I realized, you know, I'm doing this for ego, not necessarily for practicality. It's the ego. I want to be able to help people. I want to be able to feel like I'm doing good work, but also I enjoyed the mental stimulation of coming up with um, solutions to complex problems and help people through these issues. But the fact that it wasn't generating any income and my wife didn't enjoy it. And we really didn't enjoy talking to people who were going through divorces and child custody disputes on a daily basis. So she said, you know, this just isn't working, pick something else and I'll support you. And I said, that's, I'll get back to basics. And that's when I started my digital marketing agency, whenever that was. And, you know, did that while I was working at other marketing agencies, basically, they either didn't know or didn't care. Hmm, I like so, you know, it's time to pivot when it's not working. I like that. And I like that you listen to your wife as your partner in life. And I also like that you listen to your intuition and you realize that that season was up and that chapter was closing. And you also humbled yourself and you got back to the basics and you said, what is it that I can do? So while you were working a nine to five job, you were building your own business on the side, which was your marketing agency. So you were personally pivoting but you were also pivoting professionally because you definitely had multiple streams of income going on there, which is very smart because sometimes people leave a nine to five without not really having an exit strategy 
on what to do in their own personal life, whether it's to, you know, open a business, whether it's to form a partnership with someone that they could really trust and do a business together or et cetera. And then marketing is so great right now because a lot of people had to pivot with their marketing strategy, especially in this pandemic. So when you think about businesses as a whole and you thought about businesses who were brick and mortar businesses, but then they were shut down due to the pandemic. So then they had to go into e-commerce and they really had to, you know, tap into the virtual side of their business. What type of digital marketing um, tips and tricks did you see there that made those businesses thrive? And then on the opposing side, I want you to talk about what didn't you see businesses do that they should have done so they could thrive like other businesses? Well, the thing is the internet has been around for quite some time now. And, you know, I don't want to beat up on business owners because they're all going through a lot um, in their own way. Different businesses and different individuals are going through difficulty uh, all across the board with, with what's going on. But whatever business you have, and you can give me any example you can think of, there's no reason for them not to be online, not to use e-commerce, not to use SEO, not to use content marketing. Statistically speaking, the overwhelming majority of small businesses, which is what makes up the majority of businesses in the United States, statistically, the failure rate before COVID was very high. It was in the 90 percentile. Those that made it to their fifth year and beyond would do very well. Most statistically would not make it that far. They would be gone before year number two and uh, something like 90% would be gone within five years. And I blog about this statistic a lot on my site. The irony was that 20 years ago, 25 years ago, most small businesses were not online, weren't using e-commerce, weren't using SEO. And the great irony is now we're in 2021 and most small businesses still aren't using it and certainly the ones who need to use it the most. So every business owner should be using e-commerce. I don't understand why they don't. We all need money. You need money. I need money. We all have bills to pay. And yet everybody, almost everybody has a website and they don't use e-commerce. Why? Why wouldn't you want that? I want to make it as easy as possible for my clients to pay me. I mean, it's just, you know, but if you look at a lot of restaurants, barbershops, salons, beauty uh, boutiques, whatever you can think of, most of them do not enable you to pay online or to have face-to-face video conferencing with them as we're doing now. And a lot of it just has to do with you don't know what you don't know. Mm. They don't know how to do it. They don't necessarily want to do it because it's hard, it's stressful, you can't do everything yourself, and nor should you. So right now, it sounds like we kind of answered our own question. Why aren't small businesses, SBs, using e-commerce? And it could be, one, they're not educated on e-commerce. Two, they don't know how. 
or three, they may not necessarily think that they have the funds to pay a marketing strategist, a SME subject matter expert like yourself to come in and get their e-commerce set up and show them how to continue it on their own, learn about SEO, search engine optimization, know how to effectively build their marketing strategy to set their business up for success. So I feel like um, going back to your point, they don't know what they don't know, but sometimes you have to be willing to just step out there on faith and get some wisdom, some knowledge and insight from someone who already has the expertise in that field and learn. And so this is why it's so important that we know how and when to pivot, because if we don't realize those little inclinations inclinings that are tugging at us, then we're forever going to remain in a spot where we're stagnant and we're not growing. Yeah, and I can give some brief examples if you want. Um, uh, there was a, an optician I worked for uh, quite a few years ago. They were losing money. They wanted to bid on government contracts from the Veterans Administration and they weren't getting the contracts. So, and they said, you know, that one of the requirements to bid on contracts was you had to have a website. And they had no idea. They tried to build one themselves for free, but it would look unprofessional. It would look like a grocery list or like a PowerPoint presentation. That's not gonna look professional and up to the standards that a real government agency is going to want to see or have the information that they want the way they want to see it presented. So that was one of the big things. So I said, look, I can help you automate your receipts, uh, your receipt process because you're losing receipts for people who come in and get their glasses repaired. Glasses are getting lost. That's ridiculous. I can make it so that people can pay online. There's no reason why they can't pay you online that you can set it up so they can just fill in the amount that you told them, or you can send them an invoice electronically and then they pay it electronically. There's no reason why this can't happen. You know, we can send out a, uh, an automated response to any email that you get to tell them to call the uh, shop location directly. Let's take all the weight off of your shoulders and automate everything that's humanly possible. Let's give you a beautiful, responsive website that looks like a real serious professional op optician so that when government agencies see your website, they'll take it seriously and they'll have the content that they want. One government contract was worth tens of thousands of dollars on an annual basis. So whatever they might pay me, they're going to make back over and over and over again every time they get a contract, you know, quadruple, multiple times a year. You just get one contract, you're going to make back whatever you paid me, you know, 10, 20, 30 times over. So that was just one example. You know, I had one uh, client who was a private investigator and um, she you know, wanted a responsive website that people could use on their smartphone really quickly and easily and get in touch with her. And I said, well, you know, there's no way for people to pay you online. That's ridiculous. Wouldn't it make it easier for you if they could pay you online for what if someone wanted to hire a private investigator for a background investigation? Let's create the package 
and make it so they can just click here and pay for a background investigation of someone. She's the only private investigator in the state of Colorado who has e-commerce and is using it for her clients discreetly. That is amazing. So if you pretty much gave them the tools that they needed to be successful in their business, to thrive. And then what I heard you communicate was let's work smarter, not harder. Let right. me get some of this stuff off of your plate. And this is how we're going to, you know, take it from point A to point B without necessarily reinventing the wheel. We're just going to relocate some of the things and we're going to outsource the things to a tool that is doing the work for you, not necessarily you doing the work while having gaps in between is what I heard. Would you agree, David? Absolutely. And for both of those clients, I check their websites maybe once a month. And we scan it for malware. We have daily backups. It's being maintained. Everything is automated. I check the email for both of them. If there's an issue, I jump on it. They both have my phone number. If they don't want to email me, if there's an emergency or something's wrong with it. So in other words, make it as easy for your business as possible and for yourself. I like that. And so for anyone who's listening out there, if you definitely need, you know, to use e-commerce, no matter what business you are, no matter what industry you're in, David is telling you that e-commerce is the way to go and it's possible. No matter if you're in, you know, investigation, no matter if you're in law, no matter if you're in medical, if you're in, you know, beauty care, it is possible across the board. So don't ever think that you can't use e-commerce in your business because there needs to be a way for you to get paid. There needs to be a way for you to, you know, manage those relationships with their clients, whether it's using, you know, an automated email to send them happy birthday and you could kind of put a personal spin on it. Whatever the case may be, always be thinking of creative ways to stand out to your clients and continue to market your business. Because if you aren't learning, then you're definitely not growing. And that applies to personally and professionally. And David, as we begin to wind down, I want you to give some tips on how someone can effectively organize marketing plans and strategies while not breaking the bank. Well, when we talk about breaking the bank, it's really important to put it in context. A lot of business owners don't know what to invest for effective marketing. And when we talk about marketing, I'm talking specifically about online marketing. I call it digital marketing because we use digital tools. It's more specific. But the overwhelming majority of marketing today is going to be done online because if somebody wants to find your business or if they even do find your business, they don't use a big giant yellow pages phone book. They use Google. And yet people will go and spend thousands and thousands of dollars every year putting expensive ads in phone books and print newspapers, these enormous billboards that have got to be tens of thousands of dollars over the course of a year. And if people look at it at all, it's after they've gotten in an accident. And that's why you see so many lawyers 
you know, posting ads on billboards because they're like, well, in case you get in an accident while you're on the interstate, here's my message. But the reality is that most people will take out their phone and they're going to say, Google, look up lawyer, look up doctor, look up bakery, look up Italian restaurant, look up a hair salon, even though I don't have any hair. That's the way they're going to do it, right? So when we talk about budgets, it's really important for people to be able to conceptualize budgets. I, I get the question all the time. How much is this? How much is that? First of all, you're not buying an item. You're starting a process, which is what marketing is. It's not a one and done. It's a process. It's a service that takes time. So there's no beginning and end. It goes on. As long as you have a successful business, you want to market it and promote it. Secondly, as far as budget, if you want to put an ad in a newspaper, even in 2021, when nobody uses them anymore, no newspaper sales or ad person will take you seriously unless you talk about investing a couple of thousand dollars, two or three thousand dollars. No newspaper will take you seriously. Okay. And this was from like 10 years ago when I used to advertise in newspapers. So I can only imagine what it is now. If you want to put an ad on um, a local radio station, it's going to be double or triple that. Then if you want to put an ad on TV, it's going to be double, triple, or quadruple that. So in order to get started realistically, you want to set aside at least two or $3,000 to work with an experienced professional. If you think you're going to get something for nothing, it doesn't work that way. Not in life, not in business. So what was the other part of the question? Thank you for sharing that, David. The other part of the question was organizing marketing plans and strategies. Yeah. Yeah. It's really important to work from a deliberate, structured perspective so that you know what your strengths and weaknesses are, what threats your business may face from the market. Uh, who your competitors are, what they're doing, and how you can learn from them. So many small businesses and entrepreneurs don't know who their local competitors are down the street or even a short drive away from them. That's something you should know. You know, no uh, MMA fighter is going to get in the ring without studying his competitor and knowing what is going, he or she's going to face. I remember Mike Tyson used to say that he would watch videos for hours of whoever he was facing. So he knew what his opponent would do, how the person would move. So he could line up everything um, appropriately to match that person. He knew when the person would swing so he could duck down and deliver his uppercut, which would be devastating. So it's the same way in business. Know who your competitors are, what they're doing, what they're not doing. And so you can learn from, you can learn an awful lot from your competitors. You can learn how you should design your website, for example. You can learn what you should be writing about. You can also learn what they're not doing and what opportunities there may be for you. Thank you for sharing that, David. And David just pretty much gave you a play-by-play -play of a SWOT analysis. And SWOT stands for strengths, 
weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. And that is what you can use to get started in organizing your marketing strategies because it's definitely going to be needed. And he also mentioned that if you want to tap into a digital marketing strategist or expert to help your business grow and thrive, be willing to set aside two to three K in order to invest, and it is an investment. You have to invest to have the necessary tools in place because if you don't, then you're going to be losing money. But if you spend that money upfront, you're gonna make that money back because people are going to be drawn to your website, which leads them to your brand, which leads them to getting to know what you really have to offer and how you could be the solution to their problem. And David, I want you to tell the listeners as well as the viewers once again who you are how they could personally connect with you on social media and leave them with your call to action as well as a gem that you want them to hold on from for this segment because we're here to not only educate but to inspire and motivate oh well absolutely to get in touch with me um all you have to do is just type in dms.blue into any laptop or PC address bar or on your phone. You could go to Google or just type in dms.blue. Those are my initials. And it's also what I do as a digital marketing specialist. And it's my favorite color. And so that's how you can get in touch with me. It's just easy. And um, I'm also on Twitter at dmsblue01. I'm on YouTube at dms.blue. Uh, and as far as a gem goes, I would say one of my favorite quotes for business is by the great American author, Henry David Thoreau, who wrote Walden. And in my opinion, Walden is actually uh, an underrated, underappreciated business book, actually. Um, but one of the quotes that he said that I'm very fond of is build your castles in the air for that is where they belong. Now lay your foundation beneath it. So what he's saying is have lofty dreams are perfectly fine to have, but put a foundation beneath it so that you can achieve those dreams. And that's my, my input for that. And that's why I wrote my book, The Road to Digital Marketing Profits, to try to take people who were not experienced in digital marketing and help inform them in a, hopefully a fun way. But then in the process, also give them a marketing plan uh, that they could take with them to a credit union or a bank or use their, for themselves later on. Thank you, David, for sharing that amazing gem and for gracing us with your presence on this podcast by giving us some tips and tricks to help inspire, motivate, and educate people out there who are interested in really learning more about digital marketing, e-commerce, and all the incredible things that you teach. And once again, listeners and viewers, I want to encourage you to connect with David Summerflick. He gave his information. All of his information will be in the show notes, and I definitely want you to tap in with him so you can begin to rise to the level of success that we know you can. 
if you take the right steps. If you don't take actions today, you're not going to be able to secure a bigger, better, and brighter future. And all it starts by is getting some wisdom, taking that leap, and really buckling down. So thank you again for tuning in. And until we chat next time, peace, love, and lots of blessings. Signing out, Genesis Amaris Kemp and David Summerfleck. You just heard it. How to build effectively. And then we talked about know when and how to pivot in business during a pandemic.